Good morning, Rock Church. We are back with another message in Hebrews. Um, so far, this message has been awesome, or these messages have been awesome. Mom did a great job last week. Um, the cool thing about Hebrews is it really makes you dive into topics that normally I don't think you would pick or choose being a pastor. So that is awesome. That is exactly why we love going through scripture exegetically, because it makes us hit things we wouldn't before. So before we get started, let me go ahead and pray us in. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word that you've given us, that you've given us access to your thoughts, to your mind, to your will, to what you want for our lives, Father. And today I just ask that you would open our hearts to anything that you have to say to us, that it would change our lives, that it would transform us more into your image from glory to glory, like your word says, Father. We thank you. And anything you have, God, let us hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, I'm going to be going through the entire chapter three of Hebrews. So I'm going to go section by section. I'm going to break it down. And then I've got kind of a main point that I want to hit today. And I hope it blesses you guys. So let's start. Um, Hebrews chapter three, verses one. Let's read together. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So I'm going to stop right there. And first thing I'm going to say is each one of us who are a child of God, who are a believer in Jesus Christ, have a otherworldly calling, a heavenly calling, one that means significantly more than calling in this world, right? Each one of you. So if you feel worthless today, just know I'm going to stop right here and say you have a heavenly calling. Verse two says, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more than the one it's than the house itself. So right there, it sees it compares Jesus as the builder of the house and Moses the house himself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So we have some Trinity language here. We have Jesus basically being called God as the builder of the house. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So you see this comparison here in the first, in the first section of Hebrews 3 of Jesus being compared to Moses. Um, and there's four reasons that they do this. The first one is, you have to understand Moses was viewed by the Jews as the greatest man in the Old Testament, number one. Number two, he was an effective spokesperson of God. He literally penned the entire Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy by his hand. So God spoke through Moses and literally wrote the first five chapters of the Bible, or five books of the Bible. Number three, he was one of Israel's most effective intercessors, right? He literally intercessed for the people of Israel. Right? He was the spokesperson for them and the, the mediator between them and God. Number four, the failure of his followers prepares the way for a greater one, and that greater one being Jesus. We know the story, or if you don't know the story, Moses had a people, a generation of people that rebelled against God. God promised them the promised land, but they kept worshiping other idols and turning their backs to God and failing over and over and over again. So although Moses was great and God gave him the Ten Commandments, and he promised them a land and his people, they kept failing, leaving room for the ultimate restorer of all things, right? Jesus Christ. So that's why we see this compar comparison. So let's go ahead and move on to the next section. 
Now, verses 7 through 11 says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So this is Psalm 95 that the author of Hebrews is quoting here, talking specifically about Moses and the generation that rebelled against God. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So there you see, he's comparing, he's basically telling us this, don't be like the ones with Moses, right? But he's also telling us that we have someone greater than Moses to follow. And that's where we're going to dive in this next section. This next section where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. So now that we're set up, let's go ahead and read Hebrews 3, 12 through 19. So now let me grab my drink. It says this, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm till the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were dis disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So again, he's comparing, he's showing us, don't be like the ones who followed Moses, who hardened their hearts by the deceitfulness of of sin. And the scripture we're going to sit on, because I believe it's the paraphrase of the entire chapter, is Hebrews 3.13 that says this, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what I want to first talk about is what does it mean or what does it look like to be hardened? One second. So indications that one is hardened. First thing, the truth does not move us as it once did. I don't know if you guys ever feel that, but when you first come to Christ, there's this passion, there's this love, and we go through spirits, and I think they're hardened times where our heart's a little bit hardened, and the things that once moved us emotionally towards the person of Christ doesn't move us like that anymore, right? We're, we're kind of stale. Number two, we have no interest in sacred and spiritual things. That's another way to know that we're hardened. If you're going about your day, your life, all your circumstances, whatever it is, and you don't think and you have no interest in things of Jesus or things of God, that's another sign that we may be hardened, right? Number three, we're not moved, we're not deeply moved by the thoughts of God's love, right? One thing is that when we're focusing on the person of Christ, the thought of his death and resurrection, right, that he did that for us because he loved us moves us emotionally. And in times when we're hardened, you know, that doesn't move us like it did at once. So what are the results? So those are the things that indicate that maybe you're hardened, that the results of being hardened are this. The first evil that results from a hardened heart is a corrupt life. The hardening of the heart against the truth, against Christ, leads inevitably to sin. Number two is spiritual blindness. Number three is loss of joy. Number four is utter despair. And ultimately, the fifth one, and no one likes to talk about this, but it's death itself. Guys, if we get caught in the deceitfulness of sin and death itself, 
ultimately it will lead to being away from the presence of Christ for eternity. Now, no pastor likes to talk about that. No one wants to talk about that. But I wouldn't love you and people, and God would not love you if you did not warn you. Guys, that sin is something to be taken seriously. So that's what it looks like to be hardened. Don't worry, there's good news at the end of this. So let's go back once again. That scripture, Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as cultivate, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now I want to sit on this deceitfulness for a little bit and talk about it. So what does it mean to deceive? Here's a definition. To make a statement, carry out an act, or use some device intended to mislead, fraud, trick, the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. Act of keeping the truth hidden, especially to gain some advantage. Now, the cool thing, or not the cool thing, but the interesting thing that we see all throughout Scripture is this word is used from Genesis to Revelation. The enemy is the great deceiver. In Genesis 3.13, Eve says this, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Right? She was deceived in thinking that it was the truth. In Genesis 3.1, it says, The serpent slash Satan is more crafty than any beast of the field, which is the Lord, God, Lord God's. He is, the enemy is the ultimate tricker, the deceiver, the manipulator, right? In 12, Revelation 12, 9, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth. So you have the enemy, who's the ultimate deceiver, but we have also something else that is a deceiver, and it's our own heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all, all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Jesus himself says, the worries of the world, the things that we're concerned with are the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Guys, all of us deal at times with the deceitfulness of our own sin, right? We think we're walking a path that's straight, but we're deceiving ourselves, our hearts are deceiving ourselves, and the enemy is deceiving us into thinking that it's truth. That is why the word of God, in being wrapped up in the community and in church and in friends who care about Christ and will point us in the right path. It says right there in that scripture in 3.13, but exhort one another every day. It's funny that he brings in community to this because I believe if you sat by yourself and tried to do the Christian life and never looked for the input of other believers, that we would walk in deceit. We need friends and family in the church to point us in the right direction and say, hey, I love you enough to say that I think you're being deceived. I see you walking this life of sin. And here's the thing. A lot of us think of sin as like, the big bad ones. I'm not stealing. I'm not murdering. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not doing this. Sometimes sin is simply missing the mark of what God called you to be. So what does that look like? That means you're putting your job above your greater calling of spreading the gospel message, right? That means you're putting worldly things above your bigger calling, right? You're idolizing things that mean ultimately nothing over your relationship with God. And that can look very, very good in a lot of people's minds, but it's not. It's pulling us away from our ultimate relationship. So I personally, I've seen this in my life over and over again. Um, I will give you an example. When I first was in business, when I was younger, I was a Christian, of course, I believed in Jesus Christ, but I was so caught up in being a success and making money that it ultimately led me to living in a worldly atmosphere where I love to go out and party, I love to talk about girls. I love to look at girls. The entire atmosphere that I was involved in was otherworldly, but at the time I thought it was fine. I was covered by grace. 
I was deceived into thinking that the way that I was living was good and no one could have talked me out of it. That is living a deceived life, right? What I, and, my, and honestly, it caused a hardened heart. I no longer had those moments with God, right? Those emotional moments where I really felt a connection, where I was falling in love with him, where the, the thought of him dying for me moved me to tears, right? That's the kind of relationship we're called to. But sin can so easily harden us and pull us away that we don't feel those things. And guys, I see it all the time in, in everyone around me. Um, relationships, and this is the hard one, ungodly relationships is super tough. And sometimes I see it in people, they fall in love with someone that maybe not be a believer, they get involved with them sexually, and it's super hard, and it feels really good, and you cannot talk those people out of those situations. But guys, I want you to understand that at the end of that, right, it can lead to a hardened heart in a hard place that'll, that'll hurt your relationship with Christ. And I know that's hard because a lot of us go through those, but I'm just giving you some examples. The other one is riches and wealth. I see so many people, right? They think, oh, I work hard and I do this. And, you know, this is a very honorable thing to make as much money for my family as possible and to have a super comfortable life. We get so caught up in that dream, in that thing that I see people suffer and don't have the relationship with God that they could if they would lay that down for a greater calling and a greater purpose in a greater relationship. So guys, sin doesn't always look like you think it does. Sometimes it's just idolizing the wrong thing and not God himself. We were talking about with friends yesterday, we were talking about vanity, you know, idolizing vanity and being deceived. Like, why is it that I buy new clothes? Do I buy new clothes because like, oh, I just want to look good myself? Or do I buy clothes because I want other people to think I look good in other people's eyes, right? And I am so guilty of that all the time, right? I want people to think, oh, you look great. Your outfits are cute, whatever, right? It's all idol worship. It's all sin. It can all lead me to a more hardened heart and pull me away from my relationship with Christ. So I'm going to read a quote to you guys real quick. I want to talk about, here's what Spurgeon says. Notice very carefully that sin has a hardening power over the heart. How does that come about? Partly through our familiarity with sin. We may look at hateful sin till we love it. Familiarity with sin makes the conscience dull and at length deadens sensibility. Security in wrongdoing leads also to this kind of hardening. A man has been dishonest, he has found out, and he suffers for it. I could almost thank God, for now he may cease from his evil course. But one of the greatest curses that can happen to a man is for him to sit and do wrong with impunity. He will do it again and again and again, and he will proceed from bad to worse. So he says a few things in this quote that I think are amazing and absolutely true because I've witnessed them in my own life. He says, we may look at hateful sin till we love it. Familiarity with sin makes the conscience dull and length, and at length deadens sensibility. When we get used to our sinful ways, when we get used to our lifestyles, let's use finances, for instance, let's use a career. We idolize our career for so long that we get deadened to the fact that it's not okay. We get deadened to the fact that we once forgot how it felt to be in close relationship with God and make him first. And guys, this isn't like a year to year thing. This is a week to week thing. I feel weeks where my heart feels hardened, where I'm not as sensible to God's spirit and who he is because I'm idolizing the wrong things. We can feel the sin pulling us all the time. 
at the end of that quote, he says, but one of the greatest curses that man can happen is for him to keep doing wrong with impunity. Basically, he's doing wrong, but never feels bad for it. He will do it again and again and again, and will proceed from bad to worse. Guys, once again, that scripture says, but exhort one another day by day. I believe Rock Church and all of us need to get to a place where we love each other so much that we make kingdom communities a priority for this exact reason. That we can look at each other with love and say, hey, I think you're being deceived here. I don't want you, even though this may feel good right now. This relationship feels good right now. Making a bunch of money feels good right now. But you're going down a path that ultimately ends in destruction. So, I know all of that was hard. I know all of that probably hit all of us at some, in some level. It's hit me all week long as I study for this message. But there is good news. Right? We know we go through times of hardening. We know we go through times of, that we sin. We sin consistently. We are sinners saved by grace. But we have to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there are now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What that says is this. It doesn't mean tomorrow I go try and do everything perfect. It does mean that tomorrow I get in the presence of Christ and I choose to live in him. I find my relationship in my sanctification, my righteousness in him, right? Not by my own works, not by my own effort, but I abide in his love and I spend time with him and I live in Jesus, trusting that he is going to transform my heart. He's going to soften my hard heart, right? And we guys, we can be confident when we live in that place. Here's what it says in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. So you can live in a place of confidence that God has forgotten your sins. It actually says in Hebrews that he has forgotten your sins. And we'll get to that. I think it's in Hebrew 8. He also says, as far as from the east is from the west, your sins will be removed from you. Guys, let's live in Christ. Let's live in Jesus. Let's fight this fight as we're on earth. Don't let sin come in and corrupt us and harden our hearts. I believe there's more than we've ever experienced in our relationship with Christ if we will push through. So, you know, the last thing I'm going to talk about, this week's been interesting for me because my one of my biggest mentors is literally on his deathbed. For those that don't know, Robbie Zacharias, um, he's got cancer and it's not looking good. He's probably about to die. And it's been amazing all week seeing the testimonies just flooding through social media from pastors of all different walks, different denominations, just saying how much of a blessing Robbie has been. And what an absolute example of a man who's been willing to lay his life down and fight against sin and fight against hardening of his heart and just preach the gospel message. It's just something that I look up to so much and I pray each one of us can get to that place that when we're on our deathbed, people won't remember us. So he made a ton of money. He was super famous, anything like that but to remember that he loved other people, right? That he, he preached the gospel at all costs. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for what you've shown us, God. We just pray that you'd give us the confidence to exhort one another, to go up to people and encourage them to walk in their bigger calling, to walk in their better relationship with Christ than this deceitful sin in the world. Father, it's a lie. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver and we do not trust him. We do not trust in anything in this world. We trust in you alone. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that died for us sinners because you loved us that much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast and this week's message. 
Again, if you'd like to find out more about our church and attending a live service, you can find us online at www.rockchurchqc.com as well as on Facebook at Rock Church of the Quad Cities and on YouTube. Just search Rock Church QC and you'll be able to access our past sermons. As, and when you subscribe, you'll be notified when we go live for our weekly services. Until next time, have a great day and God bless.